Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 592. Going to recap Fab, talk about some strategy topics once again, which have been really fun to discuss, and much, much more. You can find myself on Twitter at BDintric, and you can find this this gentleman who has been titled the Terms of Efficiency, the King of Fab right now. He is likely the most efficient performer in the main event this year. He has a top five main event team with a single bullet. He's probably playing at the highest level than anyone in, in, in the game right now. He looks like one of the best players in the NFBC right now. You can find him on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And if you want to watch the YouTube later, check out his face right now. Mike Curlin, how we doing, my friend? Sorry, my face has an itch, buddy. Uh, <laughs> man, listen, it's King Curlin. I you. screenshotted that the second I saw it this morning just for this. <laughs> it's, uh, it's King Curlin to you, buddy. Oh, by the way. I've also saved that to my phone like a week Thank ago when gift. I first saw that show up on because I'm going to use that at some point in time. Don't you worry. That is one of the best photoshops ever. Yeah, that was a fish. Fish made it happen. Yeah. And honestly, I love I saved it to my phone. And now it's like I, you have you have to lean into it because the more you if you show you hate something, you know, your buddies are going to give you a hard time. So I just, I just lean into it. Yeah. But because, uh, you know, they're all the they're the fellow degenerates that are rooting for me. Kind of like the, it's like, it's, like an under, it's a good underdog story. It's a Cinderella underdog story. No one expected this. I'm obviously off to a really strong start. We're a third of the way through the year, a little more than that. Uh, what, a little less than four months, so three plus months is what I like to say. And we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, I'm excited. I'm obsessive over it. And the, each week that goes by that I'm staying in the top 10 overall is another week where I'm like, here, my hopes are just getting a little higher and higher. At the end of the day, I really want to just, if I can win my league, I'm honestly, that's kind of the first goal. But I mean, being this far up in the in the standings, a third of the way through does start, you know, start optimistic, but then, you know, things are happening. You mentioned it right before we started an injuries, an injury can take place and shut everything down. I mean, I lost, I lost Mullins, I lost steel. That's kind of two bigger losses. I know steel. The reason why I look at steel is not as like, maybe I've justified it in my head easier because he was a late round pick on around pick 300 for steel. And he's given you 60 innings of pretty much elite uh performance that you weren't expecting from them so at the end of the day i feel like i could stream to make up the difference and between what i stream and what i got from him i think ultimately gave me a, a an overall return on investment considering his cost so i think it's been easier to kind of trick my mind into believing that if i have to drop steel i'm fine with that but uh 
I'm not dropping him yet, obviously, because it says to be short term. I'll give him a shot. And the reason why I'm a little optimistic with Steele, I know we're already going off. Look at this, a tangent in the first 60 seconds. Uh, the, reason yeah. why I'm even, the reason why I'm even optimistic with Steele isn't because I, I have him on plenty of rosters. I, that part, again, I've already made my peace with it. I was actually, I was okay. If, like, if I had to drop him, I was okay with it. I was ready to move on this week. I really was. But it's the fact that they took him out. First off, they let him finish the inning, which was dumb, but they let him finish it. He got through it. The velo never dipped. It wasn't like uh, Chris Sale where he was down a mile and a half per hour. It wasn't like other guys that when they have an arm issue, their velo dips before they get pulled. His velo sustained that whole outing. So with his velo being in line with normal velo readings, I do tend to actually buy into this being not a huge deal. And I know it's the rare occasion, one out of every like 10 pitchers that has like a forearm or a shoulder issue. They, they you know, every so often it's not a big deal. And it turns out it wasn't a big deal. Steel might be with that one occurrence that the 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 tip not the typical the atypical occurrence of that being the thing. So I'm I'm still cautiously optimistic, but again, I'm not getting my hopes up. If he has a setback or anything, he's probably off my roster next week. But yeah, and and the thing is, a lot of the steel stuff is it's um, been positive news. Again, who, what news is real? What news isn't? To be like, exactly, we haven't talked about. But compared to other issues in a similar injury, that it's been much more positive. There's been no second opinion searched out. There's been like all these things where compared to other, other people he's seen. And I've gotten talked about that on other shows too. And I think we've talked about it on this shows. Like I just dropped Nick Lodolo in my five. I've dropped a few lately, but I dropped my final share this past week when he got moved to the 60 day, you know, he's not coming back to at least July if you're lucky. And it's probably more like August by the time he's ready to go, you can probably try to add him back at a certain point in time. But like you mentioned, you know, we talk about injuries can, can make anything change. I had like a top three OC team for a while, top, not overall in the league, but it had contention, like chances to move. And then I looked at my roster like through two or three weeks ago and like everybody on the bench was re- like on the IL. <laughs> and I'm like, it just destroys your entire team. And you're trying to, to mix and match. At 12, you can kind of get away. 15, like you're in, it's next to impossible. And we talked about that pretty in depth with the said Mullins thing last week. But um, but I'm making it work. <laughs> yeah, you are, and we'll get into that. For but now, there's, there was a, there was an interesting conversation on, amongst all the you know joking today on, on your success. Um, Cujo was involved in it, and Guilds was involved in it, of course. And it was they were talking about like because you mentioned oh, I'm holding this guy because so and so, and Guilds is like, well, I had to drop you know this guy because I can't afford zeros anymore. And I think it's a fun conversation for NFPC players. Now I apologize if you're not an NFPC player right now because it's going to get really kind of in the, in the weeds for you, but without an IL spot. And then his argument, Cujo's argument was he couldn't afford a zero because you can make changes Monday through Thursday, Friday through Sunday for hitters. Now with everyone getting hurt all the time. Now, if he didn't have that extra bat option on the bench, say his guy gets hurt in the first half of the week, it's a zero for the rest of the week where he could fill in with that bench option for the weekend. And I think it takes a whole nother level of strategy to the situation that, I know I'm even guilty of not looking at maybe I should have been dropping injured guys earlier thinking like, Hey, I need backup guys on the bench. Like I'm, I'm cognizant of the weekend schedule versus the opening schedule. I get that. I guess I just haven't been as aggressive on needing to make sure I have those extra options just in case on the bench. Is that something you ever look into? I thought I was, uh, I took, see, I took that away from the conversation this morning. Not all the jabbing at you stuff. Oh yeah, well, everyone, listen. I'm, I'm, I'm like the, I'm like everyone's favorite punching bag, and I'm okay. I welcome it, but I do realize I walk around with this random, with this chip on my shoulder. I think it's uh, years of on Twitter, almost having to prove that you know what you're talking about because everyone kind of questions you initially, and then people start respecting you, and you're not used to that. Where that, that switch occurs in, when you're coming like an industry person, so to speak. This switch of like 
people questioning you to respecting you happens for the most part. And I feel like I haven't been able to recognize the difference. So I feel like everybody, every time someone comments, I feel like they're pushing back. And I think it's almost like this natural. And that's why uh, I think Rob mentioned it. He's like, dude, you think everyone's, I'm like, it's, it's like, you just kind of years of it being years of dealing with it and years of being wrong before learning I was wrong or understanding the process behind my thinking was wrong and reconfiguring it and kind of, making my analysis better i feel like that that's what it is it's just this constant guard up of like hey i not only do i need to prove i know what i'm talking about still or at least i have this in my back of my head that i have to so yeah i, I realized that um i kind of opened myself up <laughs> to being the punching bag because people realize i take things either a out of context or b i tend to react in a way of like like defensive just because that's again that's what i've unfortunately conditioned been conditioned to do to this point so maybe i need to take a step back and realize people aren't always coming at me and i i think it's a hard lens to not view after just the years of being the opposite of where people were legitimately coming at me for and some of it was deservedly so it's just one of those things where again there's a shift that happened and i haven't quite i haven't shifted with it but anyway you were mentioning the uh i, I actually it was funny because i actually wrote on the very bottom of our outline next week we can discuss stashing strategy but i guess we're not going to wait till next week so uh oh, you're mentioning no, that's okay i, I wrote it there i wrote it, it there down. because i figured you the big thing the reason you led the show with it was my fab process was or the fab thing was kind of what everyone was talking about like mm -hmm. i'm getting a whole bunch of crap because of my bids and that's kind of where it started with the Here, whole... here's, here's a trick curlin you can briefly mention stashing we could dig into it deeper next week but I, really it's me i'm just kidding. come on Go, you know there's you no stopping me you got the what wheels got? rolling but got? uh so no so uh I, it's funny that you say that because i did that and that's how i dropped that's part of what led me to dropping morel and that's kind of my biggest regret to this point now morel has regressed closer to what i expected the reason why i was never in on him now he was never i never he's not gonna be this bad but he's obviously wasn't that good the problem is is with his approach it's just streaky plus the manager doesn't play him regularly it's a mess but anyways morell's uh so i dropped him but the big thing was was what you said i'm trying i was trying to avoid taking zeros and i did but it was it worth dropping morell in the process no and that's where i get for like so that's where i gotta realize a if you can get lucky enough to actually have a bench piece right now for me it's like owen miller's kind of like the, he's performing but he's also eligible everywhere that's a unicorn you don't have that option i didn't have that option earlier earlier in the year and i was kind of lacking middle infield i had terang who i ran out during the hot run but i was like oh, i'm like well i have like jose barrero i'm like and now it's like okay i didn't have a third mi a, a shortstop I was, I was trying to avoid zero so i was like making sure i have a backup middle infielder on my bench backup shortstop second baseman and in deeper league and so in shallower leagues i feel like that can be a detriment as well because now you have more options and uh, so now you're over here holding on to a fringe piece versus taking a chance and stashing i think there's a time and place for it you obviously want to avoid zeros but you can't do it to a point where it hinders holding on to a more valuable piece, especially the way uh, prospects and these high-end guys are being called up this year and injuries. There's so many injuries that if you get a hold of an injured player, before you know it, you're, you're not really losing much ground while stashing an injured spot. Like, so I really, I was talking to, of all people, I, of all people, I was, I got a chance to talk to Phil, right? Like I just mean, Phil don't, we're not tight like that, but I was like, Hey Phil, you cool? Like I want to hit you up about something. So we were just talking about roster construction and how this year feels like a good year to be stashing or using two spots on your bench like for me at least this is where i come kind of my early takeaways is having one spot for an il spot if needed and one for a stash spot coming out of the draft obviously we can't stash minor leaguers in nfbc formats moving forward but this would have been this was a the learning big takeaway was maybe utilize like being really being willing to flip those five spots over and over again be really aggressive with those last five bench spots but using two to stash high-end players via il or 
via uh, just call up because you obviously, as we mentioned, I think almost every top prospect has gotten called up this year. Feels like right, pretty yeah. quickly. So it's one of those things where there's an adapt. Like, there's this adapting I'm working on doing in terms of that, and then the morale thing. The reason why I brought that up again, I know it's beating a dead horse, but was where I learned that playing it too safe is equally as dangerous as not playing it safe enough. There's a fine line, and I realized one week where. I played that and I played that fine line by when I stashed Julian and I was almost in trouble. I had just enough to get through the week without taking a zero the whole week. Big but my, I've been having a lot, but that was the thing. I had two bench bats and I was like, and like a whole bunch of pitchers. And I'm not, I'm, I'm still, I think if I look at my roster now, I'm still kind of operating that way where it's very, very, very little bench bats. But again, having Owen Miller, having Adamus return, I'm kind of building that depth back up injuries as injuries get fixed and all that. But it's a, there's a fine line and there's a time and place to take these risks. And you got to think about it. Is one period of zeros worth dropping Morel or dropping? And again, I hate, I hate it, but it's like dropping this prospect here. You've been holding on to a, a if you were holding because uh, uh, Bobby Miller was a roster in a few leagues. If you had a chance to hold Bobby Miller and you dropped him because I really want to stream this two start pitcher, I don't know when Bobby Miller's coming up. Maybe that that was obviously a bad move, all things considered. Now, but it was one of those things where you got to start weighing like because of how teams are treating these players. And then this is this is obviously prospect st- stuff, but now the IL stuff. I also want to try to, again, I try to keep two spots for just that, but in deeper formats, in shallower formats, I think, and I think the new bar conversation you were talking about was a 12 teamer. Yeah. I, I, considering the other options he had, I, I understood it. I didn't like it, but I understood it. You can, and that's where you, and I think it's, you're less, I don't know well, if it's like, real, hard. Real quick, to his point in the conversation is he had like three other guys in the IL. Yeah. So Newt Bar was like the odd man out based on information. And it made, to that point, it made sense. Like I still have Newt Bar on another team. I looked at it after he said that. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't drop him this week. But I was looking around Sunday going, what's the latest? I'm like, there's nothing on Newt Bar. It's frustrating. So I see where he came from. And I guess it also comes back to the, another point for Cujo was, well, we'll get through this week. And if something changes, I can try to grab him cheap next week before all heck breaks loose. We'll see. But uh, yeah. it's just one of those things where Newt Bar, when he lands on a waiver wire, he's going to catch people's attention. Somebody's, That's yeah. Yeah. Now, it's it's not going to be a cheap re- reacquisition, and that's part of the issue. But again, going back to 12s, if there was a time to make that type of move, it's a 12-teamer where there is more depth, where yeah. the average, like, Mc, McLean went un, one went unclaimed uh, like no, after yeah, his yeah. first week in some OCs for reference. Yeah. So that's the type of thing that you know you know that there's going to be depth there to make up for Newbar. And I don't think Newbar is a special talent to a point where he's not droppable in that format. So I had that's where I have to, like that's where I have to go from 15 team mindset the 12 team realizing it wasn't a bad move in my opinion it's just a tough move but that's why i enjoy about the nfbc i enjoy having to make these tough moves right now i have four players on the il on my bench and that's less than ideal i have one bench hitter which is fine two when adamas comes back i honestly if if i like for instance if um if royce lewis ended up going on the concussion il for whatever reason even though he didn't have symptoms i would plug Adama's in knowing he's supposed to be activated Thursday. So at least I'm getting one game, you know, in the first period. So it's not a complete zero, but I can't tell you how many times this year I enter the week with a healthy team. And by Monday or Tuesday, I'm taking a zero for the half that first half of the week anyway, or by Friday, by Friday evening, I have Saturday, Sunday taking zero. So you can try avoiding them all you want. It's, it's also partially just luck. Like you did the right thing in terms of me, the right moves to avoid it, but you're still likely to get, I mean, I feel like, I mean, maybe it's just my luck or maybe it's just what I've noticed, but I feel like most injuries are happening at the beginning of these dang periods. And it's like, I'm still taking zeros. And I looked and um, other players, like other teams, 
I was like one of the bottom 10 in plate appearances compared to other teams in the top 10 or 15 in the overall. So it's like I'm getting good quality at bats, but I'm I'm taking but I'm not taking zeros. You know, I'm streaming based on matchups, based on platoons. I'm streaming really, really strong, like heavily. But I'm getting unlucky with some injuries. So it's one of those things where it's like I'm lucky it's been quality over quantity for me right now. But it's one of those things like I'm attacking play appearances and it doesn't matter because I'm doing the right thing and it still doesn't necessarily lead to the proper results in terms of I'm trying to get those play appearances. And I just wasn't getting them or I'm getting a lot yeah. of walks. Well, we talked about that a lot last week with like, you know, you had the Jake Bowers week. We did nothing. This now this last week. He hits like three home runs. And yeah, screw yeah, him. I'm he, not. He, I'm done. He, like <laughs> that's my point. I was like, you just never know. Like you can set it up for success. Like we had a question in the discord right now. Do you, you play in this by in a 10 or 12 team league, but do you play Jake Fraley or do you play Jesus Sanchez? And then, you know, Fraley's got seven games, but two are against, lefties but he gets four in great american small park one of those being versus lefty yes sanchez has six righties like it's it's little little things like that where you kind of pan out and i wouldn't be shocked we both leaned fraley in that scenario neither one of us would be shocked though sanchez has a better week than fraley like it's 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 like in the writing sanchez isn't striking out right now since he returned it shocked me absolutely bad like i wrote him up in the fab column this week i was like holy crap you're getting you're getting two middle order bat you're getting two middle order bats two of them that have favorable matchups this week in terms of you mentioned fairly getting four at home i believe it's four at home i know yeah, the monday four game it's four, it's four at home. home and then uh when he doesn't play against the lefties he will pinch hit so he still gets but he also might lose at bats if a lefty comes up at late in the game give and take there but sanchez isn't guaranteed to start all six you would think he would start all six but he's not guaranteed they like you know players get rested so there's a chance he plays just five games as well but he gets kc the first half of the week uh chicago white Sox aren't necessarily known for their pitching staff so it's um it's two it's like both those guys I want to stream. Both of them have been hitting well. I know Fraley's been running again. Don't don't, don't they get uh, the Dodgers this week? Dodgers, they do. Yeah, yeah you so, can run all over Wilson. So if you need stolen bases, that's, that can also be a difference maker. Do you need stolen yeah. bases? Chase Fraley. If you want some well, power we, side. We saw, we saw over the weekend, apparently, put the freaking brew crew on your schedule because they stole nine on Saturday. They stole all weekend against William Contreras and company. So it's getting worse and worse out there for some of these teams. I wonder if they found something out about Contreras because I feel like that wasn't always the thing. It wasn't an him. issue all season, and all of a sudden it's blue up this past week <laughs> or are the reds going full yolo like we're just gonna let everybody do what they want like yeah. green green light everyone and see what happens but that's yeah. the type of trend you take advantage of like obviously the reds are running so if you need some bases that's the team to stream from uh will benson great someone asked about streamers he's a great name i don't think we're gonna get obviously if you're listening to this the week probably already locked but um will benson is a great stream in terms of like chasing upside he's gonna get five out goes back to the same he's on the same splits as fairly so the same stuff applies to him he's showing growth in his plate approach right now we'll see if that goes but yeah but um i guess that goes back to, to circle full circle and then we can move on was um so when it comes to ILs, I like to, I'm with you. I like to try to ensure zeros, but I'm willing to take a shot, stash a guy an extra week if I feel like they could be a difference maker or willing to take a shot, stash a guy and possibly taking a zero. If I think that like, what's on, what am I picking up off the waiver wire also matters? Who am I streaming over him? Am, and is that play, like, am I going to be in trouble dropping this player, never being able to find that same level of talent off the waiver wire? Now also what we have four less, a little over a little less than four months left. Yeah. So how much time are they out? Mullins is going to miss about four more weeks, give or take, you know, maybe. And I think it was like three to four weeks was the timeline. So he could be back. I'm, I'm guessing I'm honestly assuming four to six. I'm, I'm give me all-star break. Yeah, I'm happy. I'd say all-star but, break's probably safe. But if Mullins was out until early to mid August, it'd be a really strong, I would be, I would be having, I would have had a really tough conversation with myself. I would probably still try to hold as long as possible, but he doesn't, he's not a safe hold anymore because 
there's a ch the chance for setback starts kicking in the chance for this and then at that point i mean they're competing but what if they're not by then are they gonna shut them down and all those questions have to come into your come into mind and that's when it's like okay i can maybe move on from him and that's when you start talking about cutting those higher end talent guys i'm not there yet um i know i saw waxman's uh, write-up he mentioned justin stills dropping a few leagues i don't think that was the move to make this week just because that again there's no long like if he was but if he was even out for a month i'd consider like that's i don't view him even though i love what i've seen for a moment i was in on him at the draft season i don't view him as a talent worth stashing for a month plus even and that's like that's where you have to kind of dictate what you believe into this point of the year the player what do you believe in long term the talent level uh the replacement level off the waiver wire so much goes into these decisions it's not as simple as oh that's a good yeah. move or not it's uh it really yeah, is I, it can't I think, be league specific I think, I think that's the biggest takeaway that's why i want to bring up the conversation i think that's one thing in most of our conversations most of this is game theory it's just like process there's many ways to do it but the part curling just said there is there's no correct way and there's so many other circumstances that could dictate it because Maybe like Kerwin said, I have room to stash steel. I have a spot for him. The people that dropped him, they might have a full roster of ILs, and then they're like, well, this is the dude that's going because, you know, maybe Puck's coming back shortly uh, or Alvarado at the bullpen or you got these other like Julio Urias maybe coming around the corner, like things like that. We're like, okay, well, steel's the longest one away. I'd see the one's going to go type situation. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't mind, I'm going to table your fab things. It's very detailed. I don't want to rush through it till next week. Um, I know it comes off the heels of this great, but I'm pretty sure I can rush like, through I, it. I no, promise you. I don't want to rush through because I want to actually get good player discussion on the players you listed, plus our fab. Plus, I want to ask you: Do you have your um, your sheet up about playing time right now, by chance? You know, I always have it. I know because <laughs> some, some news just came through that I want to give the listeners something here. I'll try to get this out before I All head right. back to work. Brandon Lau is on the IL. Just got put on the IL. He was day to day. Got put on the IL with. Uh, back lower back um, inflammation. Uh, Vidal Bruhan got called up, but the reason I'm asking this is, what does this look like for potentially the Taylor Walls situation? Well, let me pull up their page real quick. So well, it's been Paredes who's really been losing playing time against righties lately. Paredes has only started three of the last five. Now he has started back to back. Um, Walls has see Walls can slide to seconds. So I'm, I'm trying to see where I'm trying to see where Walls has been. So Walls has been playing every day already. I think if anybody gains from this, it's Paredes because of the ongoing injuries. Anyway, he's already Paredes was already he went from playing like nothing against righties for, for again. You know how Paredes is up and down against righties to getting run against them. But that, again, it comes with the fact that they've had injuries with Wander and stuff. So is Wander even back today? I haven't seen. I have, there's no lineup yet. Uh, of course, there's not. Let me because, check. Because uh, might be. It's so Walls game. is safe. So Walls is safe. He might play second. I can see him playing second. I can see Paredes playing second. They both play that area. I think. I think if anything, I think Paredes just continues to get more run, more consistent run against righties in the short term. Because, or maybe uh, I don't know. Is Curtis Mead healthy? I know he was like one of their top prospects. One, uh, one of the, he's like the top prospect in their system. Had a decent spring on the forty man already. There's no reason why he shouldn't come up if he's healthy. I just know. I remember yeah, they, they called up. Yeah. They, they called up Bruhan though. So it's not. No, I know, but I'm just trying now. to think of uh, like an exciting option to watch for type of thing. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think he's healthy is a problem. And but they have so they have. So, but yeah, Bruhan's. No, nah, I'm not worried about that. That's trash. If he plays, you know, you're getting speed. But he's bit. They, they treat him like Olivares, but he doesn't have the talent level of Olivares shown in the past. So there's that. But uh, yeah, I think it's Walls. I think it's. I think Paredes is probably the big winner though. Like I, I keep yeah. circling back to him because he was the guy that was kind of 
not playing against righty so much and then next thing you know okay now there's playing time there so he's getting it again so yeah he's the big winner but we're talking about uh maybe margot's another big winner another guy who kind of only put, mostly plays against lefties but has been getting run against righties with siri being out as well and then um obviously we'll see what happens with franco because that could i'm trying to think who else could play where <laughs> like like okay second base is gone shortstop is gone you only you have one wall you have walls and predators who's playing third then like um <laughs> Yeah, it's getting kind of that's I guess Bruhan would probably maybe Bruhan would play right away or rarely can rarely play one of the corner or I guess rarely could play first and then you have uh uh Yandi play third, I guess and then Prady's a second, Wall's at short. That would potentially work if Franco's right. out. Um, <laughs> this is I'm rambling, yeah, but yeah, it's kind of so let's we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll get a lineup before the pause yeah. over because they do play an early game. Another piece of news that just came down if you spent money Stop this past it. week, Mike Soroka back to triple A. Whew. So that might make our Smith Shaver pick, um, which who we will discuss later in Fab. <laughs> this could get real interesting because remember in our little message we have with the four of us from GTE, I said I'd basically after Soroka started, I just raced him from my bids. I just took him off. I feel very, very good about that right about now. <laughs> yeah, I'm so not much better. I'm not super. I wasn't really into Soroka just because when we saw what we saw from him, it was like it seemed underwhelming. It didn't. I mean, I understand yeah. the first start was kind of promising, but it was also the Oakland A's, right? I believe it was. Yeah, it was Oakland. So I was like, okay, cool. He's dominating more AAA teams. Like, like that's what he should do. I never really viewed him as a difference maker. I, but I did think he'd be better than like I thought he'd be at least an average, like a fifth starter type of guy. You can kind of just plug him in based on matchups. More of like maybe in the Kyle Gibson type of guy, like useful but not not great. Does that make sense? Like that's kind of where I viewed Soroka was like that. So for him to get sent down, that I mean Schuster. I think the we're bearing the lead that Schuster's probably safe in the rotation. And Schuster's been pretty, pretty solid the last few outings. No, remember he lost that prospect shine, but we talked about a couple of episodes ago how Schuster made some changes and it was Arsenal. I haven't checked the veal and all that, but didn't he have like another decent outing recently too? Yeah, he did. Yeah, back, I mean four walks. That's rough, but only and only one strikeout, but only two earned runs. He's not much for strikeouts, but he's kind of giving you decent ratios and chances for it got a win his last outing. So he's I don't think three, he's great. Three runs, are, three runs are less than four straight starts. Strikeouts, he's had two good strikeout games, two not. Yeah. The walks are an issue. The walks are a tremendous. Issue. Walks are an issue, but at least he's he's not letting it crush him. It's not great, but again, he's he's okay. He's he's serviceable. But yeah, I think I might say bury the lead is because I want to believe that Schuster is decent when really I guess he's just maybe not. But yeah, obviously. Uh, Shavers, the uh, Smith Shavers, probably obviously he's definitely the guy that has all of our attention. Just a matter of do we see him enter that rotation, and then I want to see those bids because I can't get in on them, and we'll talk about why later. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit because no, he didn't get added in a lot of twelve, so I'm gonna have some fun this weekend. If that's well, he wasn't he wasn't eligible. That's that's right because he didn't come in until Sunday. So yeah, that's gonna get him. Him and uh, Abbott. We'll get to Abbott too. That'll be two fun ones this coming weekend. Um, hope well, yeah. we'll see. Well, that's a, about, about to go down another rabbit hole. Um, let's talk about some of these players you mentioned here. I think, I think there's some fun ones to talk about because they had some big uh weeks, weekends, or at least their topic of conversation. Bobby Miller has lived up to the part with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He you know opens up in Atlanta, which is not an easy thing to do, throws great, comes home to Washington, pitches the way he should. But then on Sunday night baseball against the Yankees, six shutout innings with seven strikeouts. Dude's been great, nearly a K per inning. Uh, ratios are pretty solid. Three, two, three X fit. I have no problem with it all. Um, 18.8% K to walk. What's your take on this early Bobby Miller stuff? Cause you know, Bryce Miller was the same way and he's got shelled for two starts against the Yankees and the Rangers. But I think Bobby Miller is more than that. Cause he's got more than two pitches basically. And, um, 
Alex Fast actually had a clip on Sunday Night Baseball. Bobby Miller is like one of the only pitchers in all of baseball with four pitches with a stuff plus over a hundred. Um, he, he's been he's been great. So, what's your thoughts on Bobby Miller? It's wild that he has such a great stuff plus. I believe the fastball was one of them too. But yet the four seamer is getting like it's the only pitch that's getting hit. So he's like kind of lowered the usage of it almost the last couple starts. But Miller, I I wanted to talk about just because he's. I think there's a lot of legitimacy here. I don't think this is obviously as good as he's going to be. I, I mean, I don't think he's going to be this good because obviously you mentioned the XFIT being 3.23, the Sierra 3.5. So if he regresses, he's still regressing to a very solid and respectable level. The the 54.5% ground ball rate, perfect. You want to see a, you want, ground balls are great, especially if you're able, if you have some strikeout upside, but able to keep the remaining pitches on the ground or remaining batted ball events on the ground. It's a win win right there. The 18.8 uh, KMS walk rate for Miller, you mentioned. Obviously, above average. We we talked about it. We want we want twenty percent. So he's not quite that above average where we want. It's above average technically because I think league average is like usually around fourteen percent, give or take. So eighteen point eight percent still solid, very good. Just not that like what we like. We always look for twenty percent. It's like a weird benchmark, but it doesn't matter because it comes with a point seven six whip. So he's not. And it's it's wild. It's a point seven six whip without even being above average, like in zone rating. Right? It's like he doesn't go off his way to attack the zone. He does have a above league average first strike uh, first strike percentage, but like a below league average zone percentage. Bobby, this is Bobby Miller I'm talking about. So uh, there's some good swing and miss metrics. Nothing special. Above average on the chase rate. Below uh, about league average on the swing strike rate. So the strikeouts that what he's doing, I think, is very like we could believe that. That's kind of what we should expect. I don't think the K's are going to spike upwards, but I don't think they're going to drop either. He's kind of gotten away from having that big arsenal. We saw in the last, uh, the first start, he kind of mixed in a little bit of everything through the kitchen sink, at, so to speak. And the last two starts has been heavy sinker usage in both of them, four seamer dipping. Uh, he throws, uh, the two starts ago, it was a sinker slider Miller was throwing. And then last start was a sinker changeup combo, kind of heavier two pitch arsenal based on matchups. And I say based on matchups because you'll see him throw the slider mostly versus righties and the changeup mostly versus lefties. So the fact that he has a pitch to throw against each is really nice. This leaves that gives Miller a chance to kind of lean on a heavier two pitch mix, which could lead to just a higher floor, which is fine. But obviously he still has the other pitches to mix in. So you can't just ignore those. So all things considered, I was like a little mini deep dive on Bobby Miller. I really like what we're seeing at the end of the day. There's going to be some, you know, give back game here, probably in the near future. But I do think there's a longer term sustainability here in the skill set than I seen for guys like you mentioned, Bryce Miller having just the one pitch with lacking secondaries. At least Miller has those secondaries to go with the solid fastball. So all things considered, I think Bobby Miller's a very solid option rest of season, and I'd be pretty happy if I had him right now. Yeah, I'd be happy if I had him. This is why I've, I've been saying the whole time Bobby's the one I've wanted out of the, the Dodgers guys pretty much in general. I got my Bybees and my Allens. I'm cool with that. Trust me, I'm totally fine with that. But it's also why I wasn't going crazy on some other dudes. Uh, knock on wood, it stays that way. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens as um, Bobby Miller keeps doing his thing because the first hiccup will be fun to watch Twitter explode because there will be one, like you said. That's just the nature of the beast. I got my uh, Nom Nom Monster ready. Yeah, I bet you do. People hate that thing. It's hilarious. It's I, I do it now. I do it just to troll everyone. And, it's and Wander Franco's hitting second today on Monday. Is he? He's back. Dang it. So, see, okay. So, I mentioned, I tweeted out about how I was thinking about sitting Bayo, but then I'm like, wait, the Rays might be without Siri and without Wander. But Wander's probably not 100% because Wander was also dealing with a shoulder injury on top of the hamstring. Siri is out, by the way. Siri is still out. And now Brandon Lau is out. So um, it's interesting. But Bayo becomes a very a lot more interesting against this lineup that looks like it's missing some major you know main pieces to it. But then you have also the Yankees, which was the other matchup for Bayo yep. that I was scared of because the Yankees have been hitting really well. And, and, and Judge might be out. Now, now Judge might be out. 
So now Bayo becomes a very interesting stream. It goes from like, I'm not touching them with your roster to, oh, well, here we go. I'm probably going to regret it, but I'm thinking I'm going to plug him in, unfortunately. Like, he's been so good outside of last start. Bayo's starting for me. I'll take it. Yeah. He's, he's not, he's not, he's never going to, he's not going to be an ace, but he's going to give you way more good starts than bad. So I'm expecting bads from time to time. And it was with, the, him, with him, it's the walks. It's yeah, just limit the walks. He was really good the three or four outings before the last one where the walks mm-hmm. did him in. But he also had, he gave up a lot of like really bad luck uh, content. I watched that start too. So I was like, I know Bayo was better than what he showed last start. He actually got away with it, got away with uh, all the bad whip last start. But it was just one of those things where, you know, the Rays have been raying everybody. The Yankees were like a top five or six team against righties the last two weeks. In OPS and WRC plus, so I was like, "Ooh, like this is a sit." But now I'm like, "Oh, I'm probably now I'm going back on my word, and I'm probably going to tweet out a. Like, I already have actually already uh, put one in my draft to tweet out like a. Hey, I'm taking this back. I'm probably going to start them because I can't sit there and claim one thing and then be like, yeah, no, I'm 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 shifting my uh, thought process. But at least here's why type of thing. I think I have a good enough reason, but I'm still scared. It's not an easy start against the Rays ever. No, it's the Rays. Uh, and then just a, another real quick one here. Uh, Diaz, Yandi is DHing Paredes at first, Walls at third, Brujan is starting at second with Lowe's for Lowe's first a game on the IL. He's missed the last couple games, but something to keep in mind as well. You mentioned Owen Miller on this sheet, and this is a guy I've had to write up for like three weeks in a row because no one adds him, but he keeps doing things. And it's slowed down a bit, but not a lot. He's still productive. The power is not there, but you didn't really expect that from Owen Miller. What I wanted to highlight, he started playing regularly for Milwaukee, give or take May 12th. That's kind of the, the date I'm using. Since then, 337 average, four homers, five stolen bases, 13 runs scored, and 12 RBIs. I think you'd be pretty pumped to have that scenario. Uh, 381 bad is high, but at the same time, not crazy. Like, if it regresses a bit, that's fine. We've talked about Miller before. This is a dude that um, has shown promise from time to time. So I'm still in on this, especially like I know Luis Urias is coming back uh, on Tuesday, Willie Adamas on, um, on Thursday. But there's still so many injuries in Milwaukee that there's going to be ways to mix and match, I think. I know we've talked about it in the Discord and whatnot. So what's your thoughts here on Owen Miller? I think we could see Terang get sent down. My boy Terang, he's been awful. It's real. I could see him getting sent down, especially with the uh, Urias can play second or third. Owen Miller can play second or third. Owen Miller can also play the outfield. Brian Anderson isn't Brian Anderson isn't really keeping him away from it. There's a DH spot wide open right now for them. I mean, they have John Singleton for reference uh, playing games, so obviously they have room for Owen Miller. I don't think playing time is an issue. I don't even believe what we're seeing for the most part. He's always been a great contact guy. Miller, his his own contact rates have always been around ninety percent. I think this year it's yeah, it's eighty seven point five percent, ninety percent last year. He's always been great at making contact, really great at limiting swing and miss. He elevates the ball enough for the power to play up. It's a 44% ground ball rate. It's not like elite or anything, but it's solid. And in that ballpark, if he's elevating the ball over 50% of the time, that's going to play up a little bit. So but I don't buy the power. There's not really much barrel rate there. There's not really much. He hasn't barreled the ball much. He hasn't hit the ball that hard. But if he makes enough contact and gets in the air enough, some of those balls will get out of the park just because of that. But all things considered, Owen Miller just – Right now, you ride it out. Is it legitimate? No. Is it going to last? No. He has a career high stolen bases randomly, and he's done it in like way less uh, games. People are like, I don't buy the stolen bases. I'm like, you don't have to buy them to to you to keep him in there and hope that he keeps it up. It's one of those things where he's he Miller's playing. He's always had some stolen bases, so you know he could do it. Miller's playing. He's also playing on a team now in the Brewers that are very aggressive on base pass. Always have been. So now it's a team philosophy thing. Batting at the top of the lineup, you're not. I think some of his best weeks might have been behind him, but why not ride with it and see what happens? He's another one. I think they have a seven-game week, too, so if nothing else, stream this week, and if he's trash, drop him. 
yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm ready to jump off the train soon, but I'm not ready to now because he's still been good enough. You know, playing time is king. And we talk about his flexibility is huge because that goes back to the very beginning of having zeros on your bench. A guy like Miller helps you move things around and try to avoid a zero. And they do have seven games this week at Cincinnati, three again at home against Baltimore, and then three at home against the A's. He has a phenomenal sh- setup coming up. Like, these are great matchups for Owen Miller. Next week, they have five games. Like, that could be time to jump. It's the Twins and the Pirates, though, so the Pirates series actually don't look too bad. So it's just a matter of kind of seeing your roster construction. But for sure this week, kind of look ahead and, and see where you where you land from there. Uh, the third player you mentioned was Tristan McKenzie, and this was awesome to see Sticks on the mound on Sunday. Five shutout innings with one hit, one walk, and 10 Ks. He looked filthy. His rehab starts are really good. There's all, like, always positive news coming out of there, and you never know with rehab starts because of the quality of competition and whatnot. But he looked really, really good on um, Sunday. I don't expect him to be that good every time because I'm a realist. But at the same time, it's the big, big uh, boom to fantasy roster. So what did you take away from that? You're on mute. Oh, I made that rookie mistake that I told myself I'm done making. And, of course, I made it. Because uh, I hear there's other podcasts that people do it. I'm like, ha-ha. I've been there, done that. And I'm like, I'm, I don't do it anymore. Yeah, At least he didn't fall asleep. It's okay. I've done that only once. All right. I found the audio a couple of years back. I forgot the clip. It wasn't even that good. It was just funny, funnier for me and George than it wasn't really a good. And it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, Tristan McKenzie. So he came. It was great to see him come out and be kind of almost like right where he left off. And I say that because, you know, a lot of starters, relievers, whatever, they come out and their velo's a little down. They look rusty. McKenzie was not that. He looked great. His Even his fastball was up half a tick. That could just be the, the adrenaline pumping. Who knows? But the one thing I took away was the 10 strikeouts were great and all. It was the fact that his slider looks different. It was uh, He utilized it about the same. 18% usage was, I think, 20% of the year was average. But he dropped it like 1.7 miles per hour. And you're thinking, oh, well, there's a dop- drop in velo. It's not good. Well, it's good when there's a different change in terms of the profile about how it moves. So McKenzie's slider, although down 1.7 miles per hour, had six more inches of vertical movement and two less inches of uh, horizontal movement. So it was getting a way different movement uh, profile to it. And that just intrigued me because it came with an 86% whiff rate, unsustainable, high, unsustainably high. Plus, it was probably the first time teams have really had a look at that new sli- the new shaped slider. But the fact that... Do we think he- it's a sweeper by chance because of the velocity and shape change? That's what I'm saying. I know it's it's still. I'm no pitching guru. I'm just saying the way things are changing this year. Like, just well, could be a... that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to see how it profiles compared to the other ones. I haven't looked that far into it, to be honest. But if it was that, that's fine. But he, I think they also depend. They classified as a slider for now, so we'll see. But yeah, it could be one of those things where it still has more slider shape to it. It's just one of those things, a slider movement. It's just one of those things where it's a has more depth to it. Maybe I don't know. But uh, I'm just saying that the fact that I saw that change. And if this is like legitimately a really solid slider now, like better than last year, that gives them the fastball to play off of now. And it's just one of those things where it could keep Tristan McKenzie's little mini breakout we saw in the second half rolling into this, you know, this half of the year. Cause we're almost in the second half of the season already. So it's one of those things where maybe we'll be able to pile together two halves to make a hold in terms of what we're seeing here. But if McKenzie is able to even be close to the pitcher he was on the stretch last year, I think people are going to be very happy they held out for him. But, yeah, what, I saw, what we saw from McKenzie is very promising. And just that new look slider, was it caught my attention. So I just wanted to bring it up because Perfect. it could be a – not that he's unlocking another level, but people were kind of, like, questioning if they could – if he would sustain what we saw, what he did in the second half. And maybe the slider can help that production sustain is what I, kind of what I wanted to uh, mention and throw out there. Oh, that's a good one. A good call because I saw your tweet on that. So I was wondering if that's where you're going with this. So, and if you guys aren't following Curlin, I give him a lot of crap because he's a good friend of mine. And I know we can, that's how we communicate with each other. 
but he's a great follow and great analyst. So I recommend mm-hmm. checking out his Twitter because he tweets out a lot of stuff like that that at least make you kind of go, huh, and then you kind of go from there. So I definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, let's check out the uh, fab for the week. There's one big name and then a bunch of fun names is why I kind of like these kind of weeks is we get deeper into the season and you kind of see like, okay, some guys make sense. Others, it's like, okay, this might be more of a, a streaming pick right now. And that's where like the discussions come into play on roster construction and whatnot. So, you know, we do OCs, 12 teams. Curlin will give you the 15-team uh, lingo as well. But uh, the main the main man was Royce Lewis. He was the only player it picked up in over 100 leagues, uh, which is rare. That's what I'm saying. We're at that point of the year. He, Lewis has picked up in 202 leagues. Pretty, he's pretty much gone everywhere now. As high as 320, as low as five. OCs are amazing. I was telling Curlin because we were talking, he was doing his main event, and he obviously won with like a 158 to 156 or something. Amazing, perfect, almost. That's why he's the man this year, like Whisperer. But um, in my OCs, like one was over like 100 bucks, The other two were like 60 to $70, like cheap. To get a $5 one, that would have been insane because I was putting like $34 keep Monus bids out there, thinking like there's no chance. I would have been like blown away if I got Royce Lewis on my roster. But um, – it's been a weird start, to be honest here. He's played in six games. He has five hits. One's a double and two home runs. He's striking out 32% with zero walks, and he's hitting 200. Um, if you dig in a little deeper, he's got an 11.8% barrel rate. It's not bad, but only a 35% hard hit rate. Like We know how good he is. I'm not denying that at all. I think he's a beast. He should be awesome. The start kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit. So what's your thoughts on uh, this Royce Lewis? Because we, we know why everyone picked him up, but what are your like overall thoughts on him? I think that he's an electric pl- I think Royce Lewis is an electric player. I think the power is going to be there. The speed's questionable, not because he doesn't have it, because will they let him run? That's kind of what the question, that's really the only question you should have when it comes to Lewis. Uh, he can still run. He did it in the, the fact that he ran in the minors and he didn't have to kind of also suggests that maybe they'll let him run a little bit. I just don't know if we should expect it. But the vol- the, there will be some volatility in the in the batting average, I believe. But if you look at the track record, it's outside of like one double A season 2019 or 2019 in general, I should say. It's been rather strong, always carrying high babbips, which makes sense given the speed. The strikeouts, yeah, a little bit of a concern. But, you know, Josh Young is another guy that comes to mind with like bad strikeout rate, but still producing because he's making the hits matter. And I think Lewis will have that type of skill set where. He's got some swing and miss to his game. He is chasing. He's probably some. There's probably some excitability there. He's not making as much contact as he has in the past. But at the end of the day, I think you bet on the tools here. You bet on the pedigree. I I know there's injury risk here. There's a lot to like here in terms of upside. And this time, in this part of the year, you mentioned it in terms of like things get kind of weird. But name a player with this much ceiling and guaranteed playing time. This where you can get him off the waiver wire this time of the year. If we're drafting today, Royce Lewis is pushing top 100 pick probably. Yes, give or take. 100%. So you're getting that off the waiver wire. That's something you take a shot on, even if, and I think I wrote, the, we'll talk about this a little, even if you don't really need it, so to speak, I think you should have still considered bidding on them just because there's a, I, I just, again, it's another discussion, but anyway, at the end of the day, my expectations are if he's closer to a 250, 260 hitter, I'm fine with that. That's great. I'll take that. But you're getting that with plus skills. And I think the plus skills, good batting order uh, should get some decent counting stats in the process. I'm, I'm, I'll even sign up for 240 with all the rest I just said, honestly. He, he can fill up the other stat columns. Like you said, that's what makes him electric. Uh, I just expected a little more the way he started out, but we'll see. He's, just, well, remember, Mc, remember McLean. 
Oh, yeah, McLean. No, I'm not worried about Lewis at all. I have zero concerns about Lewis. Maybe I'll look back on this in three weeks and bite my tongue. But I, said, I did that with McLean the next week. I was like, well, yeah. what was I thinking? Not being more aggressive. Just I it's it's where we I think we're just a reactionary crew. Well, if he I if couldn't he, be I couldn't be aggressive. Well, yeah, and that's and that was on. We saw him go for a little bit of sixty-eight in the main, which was like, what? How did he go that low? And you realize, like, I talked. I actually text uh, Ryan because I was like, dude, how'd you spike that one? He's like, yeah, we just didn't. We wanted them. We just couldn't afford more, <laughs> and they got them. It was one of those things where they put in their best bid, and they just happened to land on them. But I, I get it. My my thing was is um, I think we are. And I think Dom was mentioning this on on the pod with Rob on their on the pool hitter podcast was a. Uh, we are very reactionary as industry. If he went out there and hit a home run and stolen base went like one for four with a home run and stolen base on Sunday. His bids weren't going to be, we wouldn't have seen a single bid under 100 across oh, the no board. Doubt. Probably. No doubt about but it. But he went out there, he went out there and not only did he strike, I think he went over four with three strikeouts, but then he had that crazy almost broke his neck looking play. Mm-hmm. That's what drove bids down. That's why there was such a fluctuation 100%. there, I think. Yeah. But I, but I, I wish he would have hit two home runs and stole the base because then more people in my leagues would have not have money. So that'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have got him for my price. So I'm happy he didn't do that. But I, at the end of the day, I think that going for him, I think this was kind of one of the final guys. I mean, him obviously you have Ellie coming up sooner than later, probably. I'd rather I'd rather have Royce right now. I'll, I'll but that's the thing. You know, you know Royce is here, you know he's here to stay. I'd say more than likely, I'd be very surprised they sent him down, even if he struggled. And yeah. he's, at, we know what he can do when healthy. I know health is a question, but it's one of those things where tell me another player coming up that we know for sure is coming up sooner than later that can offer this type of upside paired with guaranteed playing time. I don't think that, and that, that's the thing. Like right now, we, there's a lot of, ga- there's a lot of guys I like in a given week, but most of them are streamers. Most of them are platoon bats that are off to a hot start or in the middle of a hot stretch that I know has a very favorable matchup or a very favorable, favorable schedule. Lewis, you don't have to play that game. It's kind of like you get them and now you can either hold play, start them or you're benching them, but you're not sitting here like, okay, what's my next move? I'm most likely going to start him through the good and bad because I, he's the type of guy that I think like, if you want a guy that can give you a morale type of run, I think Lewis gives you that, but without that type of floor True. is the difference. Well, we'll see how it goes. I think it was a good pickup. Like you said, one of, maybe we keep saying this, one of the last ones to come, but then they just keep calling up people. So we'll see how it goes. The next one here. Now it's going to get fun. Picked up in 98 leagues as high as $77, as low as a buck. Willie Castro of the Minnesota Twins. This one shocked me when I saw this. I'm like, whoa. Like, this, like I get it. He's utility. There's tons of injuries in Minnesota. You got, you know, Buxton's got his rib issues. Correa's got his plantar fasciitis. He should go to the IL. The outfield's always losing someone, it feels like. Like, there's injuries all over Minnesota. Gallo just went to the IL. Castro can play everywhere. Castro is the Twins' Owen Miller. Just going to throw that out to you right now. That's who he is. Um, since like the middle, like May 9th, about a month ago, 299 average, four homers, nine stolen bases, but he strikes out 35.4% of the time, strikes out a ton. So it's kind of an all or nothing deal with Castro, but he's a switch hitter. So he's going to play like he's pretty much, you know, platoon proof, but he can, he's really, really good. I get the reason behind it. I was surprised he was this popular, but it could be based on all the injuries in Minnesota. The twins play at Tampa for three and then at Toronto for three. Not the easiest schedule either. So what are your thoughts on Willie Castro? I just think you, he's a streamer. He's a guy that I know he's been, he was kind of a popular ad a couple weeks ago when he first started getting run and flashing it and then kind of slowed down. And he was actually leaving. He was actually falling into a weak side platoon before the injuries. So the injuries saved him from that because he, even with playing two out of the last three righties, he's only played against three of the last five total I'll give you for reference. So he wasn't like, he was losing playing time against righties before the injuries popped up for Castro. So Willie Castro is a guy that the tools are there, 
but the swing and miss is there. The, the floor is legitimately uh, weak side platoon, obviously, but the ceiling, if he's playing and they're letting him run, he's going to give you some, he's going to give you some uh, flash weeks. It's just one of those things where are you going to catch the hot or you going to catch the cold, but Castro, that's kind of his skill set. There's, there's tools there, but there's also just a lack of consistency. Yes, indeed. Stop me if you've heard this before. We have a potential new closer in Colorado. Uh, Justin Lawrence was added in 93 leagues, as high as $91, as low as a dollar. Someday people will learn about rostering pitchers in general, let alone closers in Colorado. But Justin Lawrence picked up two saves in the last two outings in Kansas City. Um, he's been decent overall, 306 ERA, 346 XFIP. Uh, the K to walk is at a, at a 17-7. So he's the next man up. That's why he got picked up. You got a full week in Coors to enjoy it. So what are your thoughts here? I, I had zero interest. Zero. I almost tweeted about him just to try to pump the bids, but I'm not that guy, so I didn't. You're not really Cerebro? close. <laughs> Cerebro does the opposite. Look, yeah, just whatever I, I he know, tweets, do the opposite of. So if he yeah. like, oh, he, he's talking down a player, you know, he likes him. Talking up a player, he knows, you know, you want the money to go up. I think everyone knows that, but Cerebro does it anyway. So I, I applaud the consistency regardless of us knowing his intent. But uh at the end of the day, though, like you mentioned, it's kind of a spec. We're at that time of the year, though. I mean, people lost Jose Alvarado, who they were banking on, and Kimbrel looks so he's looked really good. That I don't know if Alvarado's even guaranteed to get full run. He might be splitting opportunities, and then you have um, obviously Pierce Johnson, who and Bard, who both failed. One one, one was due to mental health, so that's not really fair. But the other one being performance induced, and then of course Bard still being in the picture, maybe Bard gets another shot. Who knows? But anyway, uh, and then what? Well, there was another. Oh, and then Fairbanks went down, and people had Adam, but people always the people that went and got Adam, not all of them were Fairbanks managers. So then people were like, "Oh, it's a short term thing." So no one really thought Adam was going to be a thing that stuck, and it did. So or it has because of Fairbanks getting re-injured. So people are. It's when it's that it's that weird time where people are kind of hurting for closers, and one of the few times where there's actually a path to consistent saves. We haven't had that for a few weeks. I think the last time was the. The the Kimbrel Castro uh, Miguel Castro as which Castro just blew a save so now is he in trouble his next time out I'm not feeling confident about Castro suddenly getting the next I'll, save off I'll, after I'll blowing that one Miguel Castro from Arizona who you're talking about right Yes yes so yeah I know um, there's like 15 of them on the show right now but yes well, Miguel I, Castro. I just have to double check because one I guess benefit of the first pitch podcast that keeps me up to date on a lot of things the Chafin Castro thing is very intriguing Castro's like the I'd say he's like the sixty percent of Chafin's forty. Mm-hmm. Chafin still picks up a save or two every week, so that's a that's an interesting combination. I just wanted to throw that tidbit out there because I, I think Castro is going to be fine. I don't think he's going to go anywhere just for the fact he's not the sole closer. No, that's fair, but I think I'm afraid. Like, what if he loses? Okay, the next opportunity, even though he's rested, he doesn't get it now. And now it's like, well, crap. He just pitched the eight. Maybe and even switched roles, basically. Yeah, that's why I'm like, I don't want. I'm hoping it doesn't happen. And, but, and you know, Duff's pitching really well too. Yeah, so it's one of those things where Castro's on my short list of like I'm holding him. I'm starting him this week actually because I'm still chasing saves. But I mean, it was one outing. I, I we have seen them be more patient. I know um, McGuff was also a guy that got multiple opportunities, blew multiple saves before losing the spot. So if they still if they trust Castro to put him there initially, I think they're going to give him a little more leash. But still, it's one of those things where I think he's not guaranteed as much. Like I mentioned, you mentioned it's like 60, 70. I think it's sixty plus percent. I don't know. I feel like I would just watch. I follow him closely because I'm I'm obsessed. I'm, I'm obsessive like that. But it's one of those things where I feel like he was getting, you know, the lion's share, and I'm afraid that that could shift closer to 50-50. And that, so maybe that again goes back, circles back to why Lawrence was added and, and aggressively, just because people realize saves aren't guaranteed there. And then you have Holmes who gets like a save or win a week, which is very useful, but it's inconsistent with the save ops. And it's 
it's tough. You're trying to get a leg up on a, on a situation where things are starting to get kind of thin, where there hasn't been a whole lot of turnover like people expected either. People were expecting more turnover because every last few years there's been a ton of closer turnover. That's kind of lacked this year. So people have to kind of be more aggressive even on less than the desirable uh, opportunities, you know, just because it's one of the few that have come up. We've had, what, four guys, decent guys off the waiver wire this year, or four, maybe five if we're lucky. I only think of four. Yeah, and, not a ton uh, of closers. Right? Yeah, you're right. Pierce Johnson was one of them. The other yeah. cores guy, like the other right. cores guy. That was that's kind of my that was kind of my tongue in cheek joke. Stop me if you've heard this before. Like, yeah, we, but we, we go through the Colorado rotation every year. Right now, like, the thing is, though, is it's almost it almost makes sense. It's almost justified because they're the only place that has any type of carousel. You know what I mean? Like would, without would, injury. Would you have been someone to go and try to pick up Jose Alvarado this week if available, since he's coming back at the end of the week? Yes, but I don't think I would have got him because I'm sure there was somebody probably wildly more not aggressive wildly more optimistic in his outlook i tend to be more of like in the camp of kimbrell's gonna hold on to majority if not yeah. um at le- i mean obviously it's gonna be at least a split but i think kimbrell's earned that like hey this is his role for now he has the track record he's the righty they could play matchups so obviously there's lefties coming up uh, alvaro will still factor i just don't know if i don't know if it's gonna be a 50 50 split but it's not gonna be alvarado's gig like it was in my opinion that's where my head's at with that whole situation so i don't think i would have even bid nearly enough to get alvarado unless i was truly desperate just to get saves because he can be but the problem is is also it was an arm injury there's and the way how hard he throws i could see that being an issue again moving forward too so there's no guarantee and this wasn't even remember wasn't his injury not supposed to be even this long of of an issue wasn't it supposed to be like a couple weeks and now it's been like a month alvarado's supposed to be a little while was it, it? Was, I thought I thought it was yeah. like a we're gonna try. There was a there was a threat. It was gonna be really long until they got better news. Oh, see, I thought it was the opposite. I thought it was like, oh yeah, it's gonna be a couple of weeks. I'll be back. Maybe I misread or misunderstood the situation. There was a so bunch I was of like, them at that time, a lot of people got hurt right around there. Maybe I don't know. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I would have been in, but probably not would have been uh, in enough to get them for what it would have cost. Yep, I'm with you there. Uh, last week we talked about getting some spec bids in on Jesus Sanchez for a buck because, and I, I got him in a few places, not enough because he wasn't towards the top of my list. Well, people are on board. So it's kind of one of those makes you feel good curling when you're kind of ahead of the curve thing, which you have been because you're the fab whisperer. So oh, that, God, that's been, that's so been much. a great thing for you. But um, this week he was the fourth most added player in OCs. Jesus Sanchez was 86 leagues as high as $33, as low as a buck. And uh, you know, since coming off the IL, he's, He's looked really good. We kind of talked about it off air. I wrote about him in one of our articles over the weekend. He played in six, uh, six games, hit safely in four of them, hit a home run, a couple RBIs. Most important thing to me, 15% walk rate, 15% strikeout rate. That was really good to see from Jesus Sanchez. He's still getting comfortable, it feels like, up there. I love him. Six games against Rides. We already talked about all that this week. But just in general, he was crushing it before he got injured. And just to see him kind of – pick up where he left off a bit was good to see there's no i in team but there is one in indeed and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours when you're hiring you need indeed instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all one of the things i love about indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because indeed does the hard work for you They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. 
Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Yeah, Jesus Sanchez, the fact that, and the fact that he has a few stolen bases is kind of surprising, but I'll take it, three. <laughs> so, you know, he's not zero there. The bad bips inflated, but Sanchez is going to be okay. I think, I think we're seeing some growth there, and we've seen how good he can be, even if it's just a hot stretch. Say it's a hot two months. Enjoy it and drop him if he goes back. But he, like, if you look at the hard hit rate, is it's, the highest it's been since 2020 but that's not fair because 2020 was 14 events but so if you go to 2021 where you kind of had that where you had some you know some of that love too we're talking a barrel rate in line with that a hard hit rate in line with that actually higher than that but in line when I'm, what i mean by in line is the fact that it's closer to that season when everybody was like in on you know everyone coming off 2021 i believe it was is when everybody was kind of in buying in the 150-ish adp maybe 200 if you're lucky he was like he was like 2022's Lars Newbar probably given yeah. how you know just that that hot name like everyone was really buying into the that the the, the way he finished or the hot stretch he had the year before it feels like that and he was kind of going in the same similar ADP range you know what I mean what, pretty much what Brian De La Cruz was this year was Sanchez of last year too same idea but so Sanchez is a guy that I'm just I'm kind of buying into the fact that okay he went through some growing pains the shift is gone he was kind of one of those guys that should have benefited from the shift being gone there is going to be swing and miss in Sanchez's game. But when he makes contact, the ball goes a long way, and he's making better decisions. He's chasing less, swinging strike late, straight swinging strike rate still worse than league average, but not terribly low. I, I just there's reasons for optimism. He's not going to be a 300 hitter, so get that out of your head. But when we're talking about power help, we're talking about a guy who can obviously sprinkle in some speed, but don't even count that. He's banging in the middle of the lineup now. Sanchez, there's a lot of reasons to like him, and yeah, I was in on him. I, I dropped him, and I, I reacquired him because I'm kind of rotating those guys. And I think Sanchez is still. That's the thing about Sanchez, though. He's still a platoon bat, so he's not a guy that you can count on week in, week out. That's part of the issue, part of what makes him hard to roster in shallower formats. But a reason, but a guy that you should be he's, he's for me right now, he'd be that uh, team streamer where you're bend, you're playing him per period based on matchups because he's even he is pinch hitting when lefties start the game, so it's not like he's not getting in at all. But you mentioned feeling good. I don't know how I feel about this. I'm going to bring it up because I don't know if we're going to get to him, but. To Supita Marcano, I, I added him last week. I think we talked about Adam just because I need a shortstop. He, he was playing well. He was, he's been leading off. And I'm like, so there's path to play appearances, a uh, little pop, a little speed. There's like intrigue. 
I dropped him this week, and he was added in 26 main events for as high as $96. I, I, added, I added him in all my 15 leagues this week. And that's the thing. So I understood it, but I don't know if, like, was I was I too quick to pull the trigger now, or was I ahead of the curve of dropping know. him? And, and, it's the, and the thing with a guy like, <laughs> you think of a guy like that is, is you, you had the great matchup week this week. When you're looking at Pittsburgh, Two lefties. It's, it's it's not the craziest of weeks, but well, it's no, a he has Oakland. Of, like on, on bingo, like, that's what it is. He gets Oakland, and then when he gets the Mets, it's not the elite Mets. But, so the, thing, but the thing about Oakland is, sure, he'll get the bullpen because he'll probably pinch hit. But he, lefties, he doesn't play against a lot of lefties, and he has started against some, but he has two out of three in Oakland, but two lefties. So how many play appearances is he getting? And that that's was true. what's that's kind of what pushed me to dropping him. And I only dropped again. The one the the reason why I dropped him was for one player. It was almost it goes full circle. I dropped one I when a player like this I find useful, but I it was the fact that I dropped him for the other player I play shortstop in Royce Lewis. So that was so the reason why fair. I dropped him. I dropped fair. him for a guy that I was well, like I need a shortstop. We're gonna, is, we're gonna drop guys that we hate. I know, drop. but that's kind of the moral at, of the question. Like, but he was. I, I'm looking. I'm looking at one of my OC rosters where I'm crushing the league in saves. I have like four closers. I'm like, I can't hold these guys all year. I need other op, other stuff, but I want to give them back to the player pool. Yeah. But the, and that's the thing. I didn't. Really, I don't mind giving him back to player pool. It's the fact that I dropped him in a week when he was added twenty six times in the main, in main events. So half the leagues, that I guess he, you know, I don't know how many he was already rostered in, but at, there's fifty three uh, main event leagues, and half of them, so, somebody picked up Marcano, and I'm the guy who drops him. So it's he, like he was he, added he, in thirty one OCs. So either that, that's what I was getting at was either I'm ahead, either I'm ahead of the curve dropping him, or I made a big mistake. And it's too early to tell. Obviously, I, I dropped him based on matchups, and he kind of cooled down last week. He wasn't. I mean, and you don't but, panic about any of this kind of stuff. No, at all. I don't. I don't. Pan, I don't panic about dropping a, a Marcano type. But it was just one of those things where it caught my attention. I'm like, I'm going against the grain here. <laughs> like really, really like, going against the grain. It's not like here. it's not like you're debating dropping Gunnar Henderson or Anthony Volpe. You're totally fine. Oh, that's. That, did we make the right call there? I don't. Oh, well, I guess Henderson's back. Uh, keeps Volpe. Oh, but then we talk about Walker versus Volpe. That's a whole other discussion. That's it's yeah, tough. I'm just being sarcastic. Let's have I a know, couple. I let's know. have a couple. Quick to be hitters. nice. Bubba. Let's have a couple quick hitters here because there's actually a lot of names that are just intriguing, basically. So let's have some fun here. Hayden Wisniewski was called back up. Came out of the bullpen, three and two thirds, pretty strong innings. One run, four Ks against Tampa. Made two re- two starts in AAA, nine innings, nine Ks, one earned. He's going to take the spot of Justin Steele for now. So he's got two starts this week. Um, and he was added in 81 leagues for as high as 50, as low as one. I got him for like three bucks in a few leagues. What are your thoughts on Wes Neski? So yeah, I'm just I'm just not that interested. I, I don't I don't know. No, why. I'm gonna probably drop him next week. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I think that's I think he's a streamer, but I think he was added as more than that in some in some situations. Like when you're going as high as in main events for reference, uh, I understand pitching is a lot more scarce, and maybe they think there's going to be more long term long term usage there. But he went for as high as ninety five and as low as three, and like I'm okay with him like up to forty fifty dollar range, which is where you were talking about. That's kind of the high end though, and that feels like at this point in the game you're hoping for more. And I just he hasn't shown it to us as a starter, and I want to believe because we saw the hype in the preseason. But how long is the leash? Is there a leash? And when still comes when steel comes back, someone's got to go. It's going to be likely him. So paying up that much for a guy that's probably i mean i get it i get it it's a two-start week but and people are hoping that he can still turn it be that guy that we hoped he could be in preseason but i'm just not buying in considering what he's shown to this point and i'm okay with streaming him but again some of the prices that people paid i feel like is just a little more than i was willing to pay i mean i didn't 
I wasn't going for pitching, so it doesn't matter. But it's easy for me to talk when I don't when I didn't need the pitching, I guess. But I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. I just I'm not I'm not I'm not very uh I don't like the bids this week for him. My goal is I got him in well, we'll talk about my talk about my moves, but it was cheap stream drop. That's where I was yeah. with West Nesky. But that was that wasn't the that's common. Not for everybody. That's what I I'm saying. It. That's not the yeah. common occurrence of why people went after him. I just I think people just need to temper expectations. I understand going after him, taking a shot. I do understand that part. But some of the bids I just couldn't get behind because of there's been zero reason to believe that he's going to suddenly turn it around as a starter because he's had a couple of decent relief appearances. Maybe I haven't even looked at his relief appearances. I'm yeah, sure they one, one, one relief appearance, three and two thirds, one run. That was the only days. one. Since he got called yeah. back up, and and his xFIP was right in line. His x his fip his xFIP was a uh, four point four seven in that start, um, in that appearance, and on the season it's four point four eight for reference. So he did a lot more strikeouts, but was it be, but also a lot more walks? Was he just throwing different pitch mix? Was he attacking differently? Did he add some below in that outing because he was a reliever? A lot of these things go into being a relief pitcher, and making uh, making relief appearances as a starter. You'll see starters be able to ramp up their velo and stuff and be more effective. But there's a reason why they do that because it's they're throwing less, you know. So there's a lot that goes into it potentially. Again, uh, I'm just I'm not I'm out basically. But I, in your situation, I, I'm okay with him as a streamer and that at that cost if you got him as a streamer. Well, Mike Soroka, 75 leagues, as high as 54 bucks, as low as a dollar. We already I got rid that. of all mine. <laughs> um yeah i think we're out there just want to throw that one out there um and i just wanted to you know the, the chat we have going on in gte they're, they're having fun debates on that one right now uh jp sears now this is one i picked him up a few weeks ago to stream at times i've kind of we talked about guys that can kind of be bench streamers sears has almost graduated into that realm for me with his production his last couple starts the strikeouts have not been there that's been very very annoying with sears but he's still getting you decent ratios He's getting you innings. Wins will never be a thing for, for Sears. But like if you look at his last four starts, for instance, um, he's put up uh, 22 and a third innings, six earned, 16 Ks, 242 ERA. The X5 one is terrifying. Don't get me wrong, but he's getting the job done. He was picked up in 72 leagues as high as 37, as low as a dollar. So what do you have anything on JP Sears? I, I enjoy it. I don't know if it's going to last. I mean, I, I went back actually a little farther. I went back uh, his last six starts because five, six, five of his last six starts, I think it's been like two earned runner, two, two earned runs or less in each start. One being a five earned run outing. I like he's he's he goes back to like, I like Kyle Gibson comps because I think it's very fair to that's give a guy fair, that's like yeah. performing like the strikeouts aren't going to be there, but he can be decent for ratios. He's overperforming, but whatever, I'll ride it out. That's kind of what I see here. But going back to those six starts I mentioned, oh, sorry, so six starts I looked at, five of which were um let me let me just get it right i was just trying to look it up on the fly here one two three four so his last six starts five have been two earned runs or less one being that five earned run outing at miami he even he even limited that deadly texas and that's the thing look at his matchups uh, atlanta houston he's doing it against good teams is why it's it, exactly that's, that's why really i kind of bought in i bought in i'm like he's figuring this out right now and he's still young Oh, I'm not saying you shouldn't give him a shot, especially if you have him keep riding it. But the the fact that it's a 27.9, so I think it was like a 51% fly ball rate over that over that period, over that six start period. So those fly balls paired with like 11% barrel rate, 47% hard hit rate, I think it was as well for Sears. There's a lot of potential damage coming his way. And I and, ask you uh, where he plays his home games. Oh, I'm aware, but does, <laughs> is that is that going to is that going to hold? Is the summer going to allow the ball to stay in? Right, we'll see what ball we're using. That's the first and question. He, he faced, yes, that's true. But like over the summer, even in Oakland, I think the ball is going to fly a little more. And he did get a chance to face Atlanta on the road, which are sorry, you know, at home. He faced Atlanta, he faced Texas at home. So, yes, I understand that there is that, you know, the fact that he gets to 
he get like five balls won't kill him because he he's played, at Pitt he just, and at Milwaukee this week. So we'll see where. He, look where, at his where go, go, go look at his home road splits. His away he has a his ERA is five point nine seven on the on the road two point five seven at home. He might be that guy where you just stream him at home and not not on the road. So very, uh, this very week awesome. you mentioned you mentioned both of them are on the road. We will see. We will <laughs> see. Time will tell, my friend. <laughs> On the road is scary, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's have fun with this one, though. Clark Schmidt. I've been looking to add him a lot lately, and this two-step made it more enjoyable. 67 leagues, as high as 48 bucks, as low as a dollar. He's been one that I've been watching closely because he had the big hype, kind of fell back to earth. But just his month of May in general, right? Just month of May in general. Um, he allowed 12 runs and 30 innings pitched over six or six starts, 33 Ks. 3.52 ERA, 3.7 X FIP. Um, he had an 18 or a 16% K to walk because the walks are still a bit of an issue. But overall, Clark Schmidt has been very, very serviceable uh, of late. He's actually uh, looked pretty darn good. You know, at Seattle, Baltimore, in Great American Small Park, picked well. Tampa Bay smoked him. You kind of like, if that's the team that does it, okay, cool. Oakland, Cleveland did their jobs there. So all in all, like five of the six starts, two run runs or less. He had one horrific start against Tampa Bay. Otherwise, he's been very, very good. So I'm kind of, and I, I've read somewhere about some pitch mix changes and whatnot. So I'm kind of interested in Clark Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, I know that's why I was I was trying to tee you up, buddy. So what do you, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I haven't honestly checked back in, but I do know like there was initially a shift in the production for Schmidt when he started kind of going away from the new cutter at one point. I think he might have brought it back, and then like the sweeper. I think it's just one of those things where it's a young pitcher finally getting an opportunity, playing with some things that work, some things that don't, and getting it, just figuring it out on the fly. And it's kind of nice to see for Schmidt. Because you're you're seeing it happen, and the thing is, is it fluctuates. If you look at his starts, he completely dropped the changeup. Not that he was utilizing it much, he completely dropped it. And the four seamer, those have gone by the wayside. But then he'll sprinkle the changeup in, like every other start. It's weird. The curveball, it's up and down. The sinker usage is up and down. The cutter usage, it's I don't see any consi- consistency anymore. At, at one point, at least there was like a oh look, this is shifting. But now it's like start to start, just kind of going with what he has a feel for. It seems like, or maybe. Maybe let's simplify this and look at it from a uh, overall standpoint, not like start to start. Let's just go. I'm trying to, sorry, I'm trying to do this on fly, obviously here, but I'm trying to look at his uh, season overall usage and the sweeper. He utilizes it pretty evenly and the most, which is fine. The sinker mostly towards righties, the cutter mostly towards lefties. That could be, that could explain why those two, if you look at the game by game logs, those two are constantly going up and down, up and down. So I think. So I think that's what, and that's why when you look at pitch mix, you got to be careful because you got to look at matchups because you play a team like the Rays, they might load up against a lot of lefties on you. So he might have, and it probably just didn't work that day. But so you could see the sweepers kind of consistently going up again, but the cutter, instead of it being, because I remember the cutter was kind of just heavily, he was leaning on it heavily to start the year. He leans on it more so against lefties. Now if there's lefties in the lineup and then he'll lean on the sinker when there's righties. And I think the fact that he found this mix that works for him in terms of like sweepers, sinker, combo versus righties sweeper cutter versus lefties and then sprinkles in the curveball but mostly against lefties as well he's kind of finding what works for him right now and it's kind of nice that he's it's just it's one of those things where schmidt is i think what we're seeing there's a lot more legitimacy here than obviously like what you wanted from wasneski you're getting from schmidt and i like what we're seeing here with this out of all the guys we've talked about with sears and schmidt and i'm like schmidt's the guy i could literally see doing this for the rest of the season i could see him yeah on your team 
or at I, least I, like he, at least like 80 percent of the time being very very good for you like right now i feel like him and brian bayo kind of in that conversation of like very you want them on your yeah. team you're streaming them off your bench they're not must starts but they are getting close to that territory of like in a 15 teamer it's hard it's harder to sit them than it is to start them like you could justify starting either one of those guys yeah. any given week right now probably going forward in a deeper format in a shallower format these are guys that you want on your team but you're streaming off your bench so. 100% agree with you on that one. A couple more guys that I want to, because I said there's a lot of interesting names here. Like we won't even get to all of them, but some very like interesting names. Like I said, uh, Nolan Jones got called up by the Rockies, actually playing for now. 64 teams added him. 54. I was only, I'm surprised only 64 to be honest. Um, maybe some got him last week. We briefly as high as 54 bucks, as low as a dollar. Jones has played nine games, hit safely in seven of nine. He's got a home run, three doubles, hitting 333. Uh, a couple things though. 38.7% K rate is not great. 5.6% better on 33% hard hit rate. Not great. Now he gets a full week in Colorado. That's great. Um, how would you assess Nolan Jones, who, you know, eventually CJ Cron will come back. He's played primarily at first. He's played two of the last three in right field, though, which is nice to see. So what are your thoughts on Nolan Jones? I honestly have no idea. You know, we're, we're in on him. We, we, were, we were adding him last week, and it sucks because this week, sure, six and cores, three lefties. So it's like he doesn't even get a full period against, right, against righties. So Monday through Thursday, I'm still probably starting him, but not, yeah. not excited because the first, at least Monday through Thursday, he gets two out of three righties. Now, he has started against lefties, so it's not like he's guaranteed to sit, but the second, you know, the Friday through Sunday period, I'm not going to start him because I doubt he stays. I doubt he starts. Well, real quick, real quick. Let's be real. The first lefty, Sean Mania, who cares? Uh, the, the next lefty, Ryan Weathers. I think we'll kind of grain of salt that too. No, I know, but that's uh, so, um, that's um, the, the, the hold on. Let me see the schedule change. I did re- I, re- I did upload it this morning. So, so yeah, no, and the, and then Blake Snell's the third lefty. So, but he but he gets but the thing is is he gets two of those three in Friday through Sunday. So I'm okay sitting him in that period because of the uh, I'm gonna probably start him in the first half of the week because he gets the two righties and you know he'll play at least two of three. But yeah, this week is a terrible week for him, and I think that's the thing. He's gonna likely be in a platoon. What might save his playing time, even when everyone returns, is he can play third base. He's played first base so far this year. He's played outfield. I think that they have a DH spot that and you know Chris Bryant's injured. There's paths to playing time there. Harold Castro shouldn't be guaranteed playing playing time over over uh, Nolan Jones either. I don't see him necessarily. I don't see Jones necessarily getting sent down again right away. But I was more optimistic than I probably should have been. And I'm realizing. I think I'm just frustrated because this week was like the week. Like oh cool. And last week he wasn't bad. He just was whatever. He was like I think very empty. Uh, maybe a homer. I think he had a home run last week, right? So kind of, but kind of empty batting average for the most part, which I'll take it because better than nothing. But. Um, I'm frustrated given the, uh, the 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 week this matchup this week. So this was not the best week to get him. I do think that there's a. I mean, we know the tools are there. I like him, but I don't know. I'm cautiously. I'm, I'm obviously probably pessimistic. I'm pretty pessimistic. Sound, I, I don't like it. Sound that way. Yeah. Well, it's frustrating because I don't. I guess it's, it goes back to not trusting the Rockies. When have they ever earned our trust? Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. That's that's really what it is. Like, because Harold Castro is getting full time playing time against righties, but why? Why should he over Jones? He shouldn't, but will he? The fact that I have to ask that question tells you as much as I as much as I should have to tell you about my trust level in the Rockies. Yep, I'm with you. Um, we're not going to talk about these guys, but Joey Weimer is someone to keep an eye on, folks. He's starting to hit well last week. Played discipline's great. Plays phenomenal defense. We'll probably be talking about him in the future. Uh, Trevor Rogers joked about last week. I got him for a buck everywhere. Well, he's added in 62 leagues this week as high as $56. I think That's another great. really good um, rehab start. The last player I want to mention here, and again, there's it, it might be worth list. mentioning with Rogers, Yuri yes. Perez could be on a very, very uh, 
yeah, because you look at his overall profile, it's not as great as it looks. Folks. Well, not even just that. Uh, he's even Greg Craig Mish. Uh, Craig Mish came out on was oh man the Fantasy Beat podcast. He they had him on there and they talked and he even he was mentioning how yeah Yuri's limited. Like he's gonna pitch, but he's not gonna do. He might do all of his innings now. He might do some now, some later. He might. So if they come back and Rogers comes up, they have to send somebody down unless they go six man. Six man could help everyone stay healthier but that, i've never the marlins have never gone six man as far as i know I don't, I don't braxton's not going to be stopped uh cabrera's pitched good enough to avoid it this could be their way of manipulating yuri's uh yuri prez's innings so i think yuri prez getting sent down is a very legitimate possibility so i'm not saying you need to necessarily prep for it but i would say you should probably prep for it you know just yep. I, I don't i'm not gonna say don't be reactive don't drop them you're probably even gonna stash them but i can't tell you how long prez will be down but something's gonna have to give until they make a trade or something to open up another spot but they want to they want to preserve Perez's innings. The best way to do it is sending him down, getting him on a well, every six day rotation, keeping his innings up, but limiting him. That way, he can come back up when they need him later on. I just, I wouldn't be surprised if he's what's. It, as it might be surprising to a lot of people, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's Perez that gets sent down. I thought that's just worth mentioning because there are a lot of people that are banking on Yuri Perez, what he's done, and what he probably people are hoping he continues to do, but might not be happening for your uh, fantasy rosters in the near future. Agreed. The last player I wanted to discuss was added in 58 leagues, as high as 228, as low as six. I had a couple bids in, did not get him. That is Taylor Ward. He's on a six-game hitting streak as he played nearly every day last week. Uh, Hit 385, two home runs, no steals, but only struck out 18.5%. I dropped Mickey Moniak pretty much everywhere this past week. Taylor Ward looks back, and I just want to, like, it shouldn't be a long discussion because I think it's just a matter of do you believe he's back? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's uh, – it is what it is. We, we talked about him so many times in terms of like just like a couple small things he needs, needs to fix, and maybe he finally fixed them. It was it was never a matter of like, oh, he fell off a cliff underneath under the hood. It was a – It wasn't if, it was when. We it, was, it, felt, it felt like it. It felt like, okay, it's coming, but when is it coming? And it's almost like full – he went full Josh Naylor because I'm sure many people benched him. And, uh, but at this point, I mean, maybe Naylor was premature. Maybe we kind of galaxy-brained that one, to be fair. We as in like I was in on benching him, <laughs> even though I got lucky enough not to that weekend. But um, the lefties on it doesn't matter. Um, going back to this, this one was well deserved. He or, like him and Jake Berger. Like I doubt anybody, not many people started Jake Berger over the weekend because of how his, he's been trending down and kind of got that he got that uh, grand, slam. grand slam in the ninth after. But this was after going zero for three with three Ks. It happened to be his fourth at bat and he hit the grand slam. So, uh, but regardless, Berger deserves more playing time. But that's another discussion for another it's a day. Whole another story. It's uh, um, but, it's, uh, but it goes back to. People, unfortunately, people probably miss part of the production. However, he's definitely a guy you should be plugging back into your lineup sooner than later. Let's talk about our pickups of the week, Curlin. So what'd you do in your big main event Fab Whispering style system? I hate you so much. I hate you all. So uh, picked up Royce Lewis, dropped uh, Marcano 158 to 156. I explained my reasoning for Lewis. I do want to talk about something. It's a little bit of a tangent, but it was on the nose I wrote down. I want to discuss um, picking up a player even though you do not need them. Is that such a thing? And I think it's very rare you should say that because and that this is from the guilds brought this up to me when I was early on in the year. I was like, I didn't need pitching. That's why I didn't go after Taj Bradley, among other reasons. But I was like, I just didn't need it. He's like, you don't, it's almost like you don't need it until you do. Like you're off to a strong start. Instead of a, instead of saying you don't need it, think of it as you're building onto it. I'm like, that's okay. That's probably wow. That's, that's like a real quick flip of the switch. Like, oh, that makes I mean, not that I didn't know that, but it was like to hear it said out loud, I was like, okay, that you know what, let me start considering that more. So I looked at Kyle uh, Kyle Lewis. Oh, that's that's a flash. That's a flashback yep. moment because I love Kyle mm-hmm. Lewis. Royce Lewis. I looked at Royce Lewis as like that guy of like, I need I need to fill some holes here with Moans out. 
shortstop is obviously an issue with depth in terms of like Adamas being my only guy. And then like my middle infield has been a, a revolving door. Owen Miller is going to last how long? So I did have an opening for him. But then the fact that he's going to gain third base, so he's going to have, you know, corner, third, short, middle utility capabilities. The upside's there. I'm like, and and, and obviously we're getting to a point where we're shifting into like, you can kind of live in dollar days for a little bit with streaming. Um, and by dollar days, I mean, obviously cheaper bids. I'm going to take a shot here, my last big like bid. And if I don't get him, I'll be more in on Ellie than when he comes up. Because that's kind of like everyone's assuming Ellie's the next man up at this point, right? So that was kind of the thinking. But I wanted to talk about that whole like, my the whole there's no such like you shouldn't go after a player if you don't need them i think it's rare that you don't need a player with the skills like who's gonna sit there if he goes off and hits 300 this week with two home runs and stolen base are you gonna tell me you don't need that because of where he plays the no you want this you you should be targeting the stats ignoring the position the position it goes back what we've said forever is stop drafting positions draft stats and that's what you should be looking at with him is the stats he could bring you and if you are a projections person he projects out really well so yeah. you can't if you don't even if you're not a projections guy, then you're just looking at the intangibles. He Lewis has the skills, so you should be targeted. That, that's the type, this is the type of player that you should want on your team. And the, if you now if you are like, if you are stacked, like for instance, I'm fortunate enough. I have Matt Chapman, Josh Young at third base and corner infield in this team. I did not need a corner infielder, but I, you're going to tell me I have a better utility option? No, this guy's going to help solidify my team. And that's how I look at it with Royce Lewis at this point in the year. He's a player that you can plug in. There's no way you have a better – there's no way in a deeper format specifically too. But even in shallower formats, in 12-team, I got him in our OCQ because we lost uh, O'Neill Cruz there. So it was one of those things where obviously that was a quick uh, need fill. But it's hard to imagine that you have a team so good in a 12, in a deeper 12-team format, you know, five outfield or middle field, corner field or a 15 that you don't need what he can produce. So to sit there and say, you don't need them. I, I, I don't like, I think it's very rare. You can say that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's my, that's my thought process on that. Like, it's very rare to say you don't need them because I didn't, I, what, if I didn't lose Mullins, do I still need them? Not as much, but think about now, Oh, I lost Mullins. Or if I lose another piece, well now, luckily, hopefully he hits on that uh, expectations. You know, if he hits on those, uh, on those projections or expectations, Lewis is a guy that, Suddenly, I didn't need, but now I do. It gives me the – and then, I don't know, I think the fab remaining after all this, again, goes back to that whole flip of the switch. I think you can still stream successfully even with a limited budget. I have a very limited budget now for, like, the next month and a half easily. Like, I can't go in. If Ellie comes up, I'm not I'm, – I'm throwing 20 bucks at him. That's not even a real bid, but that's real for me. That's, like, that's like, that's like 15% of my, of my remaining budget. But you get my point. It's like I knew what I was doing here. This was my – I'm taking a risk, and – I got him for a great price, all things considered, compared to the market. And obviously, as you mentioned, it was $2 above the runner-up. So really happy there. Now we can get on to the uh, less fun ones. Will Brennan, $6 unimposed. I dropped Ed- Edouard Julian. I just – the way they're they're treating Julian, like they like we've seen uh, Jaron Duran treated in the past. Like we've seen uh, – Yeah, all of our – he's getting that like up, down, up, down treatment. I, I don't think – I don't trust it. And then with all these injuries piling up and they didn't call him right back up, I was I moved on. I didn't, plus I don't have room to stash because of the injuries. So this goes back to I would have actually probably stashed Julian if I had the opportunity to, or maybe dropped him for a different player to stash because I, I I just don't I needed healthy bodies. Brennan he has the plus hit tool, the solid speed. Last week he's hitting like four something, a couple stolen bases over the last two weeks. So there's a little batting average floor, some stolen base help hitting around seventh in that lineup. If, if Rosario is out for some time, maybe Brennan can pop into that two spot. I mean, it's weird. They don't like to move players around that lineup. They even have Tyler Freeman batting second for some reason. But Brennan, if he keeps hitting well, 
And if that spot, the, the, the two spots stays open, I could see him at least shifting up the lineup. So it was one of those things where I just took a shot on him. I really, I liked him in the preseason and he's starting to finally get going. He has like an 80 something, like a high eighties zone contact rate. I got another guy that's really, really good with the contact uh, skill. So finally getting going there. And then the guy was a straight, straight up upside play here. Miguel Amaya. I dropped Jan Gomes for him. So I dropped his, uh, his teammate, but they called up Amaya hit a home run. So I put two bucks on him. Got him unopposed. That's fine. I dropped Jan Gomes. Gomes had the one home run last night, but it was like, thank you. Cause he hasn't done much else the last two weeks prior. And, um, Maya, we know there's upside there at catcher, and they wouldn't call him up if they weren't going to play him. I, I, that's how I, I mean, it might be short term, but they didn't call Maya up not to play him. And Gomes hasn't done much offensively to push him away from playing more if it's a bad thing. But also, I feel like this is a team that's also at that point where they might be sellers soon. So Maya might be up to stay. I don't, I'm not comfortable, I'm not confident in saying that just yet. But Amaya, but the fact that there's a potential for him to stay. And we, there's actual upside here. I took a shot, and I think I was one of like I think six teams in the main event that bid on him. So we'll see how that turns out for me. But at the end of the day, I, I like taking a shot on him. And 15 teamers, four teams bid on him. Highest bid was two bucks. Three of us bid two. One guy bid one. So uh, I bid two because I, I don't like because I don't like tying because it hurts whenever I do that. But so am I. I just and he's winning, so he'll lose every tie. Evan? I said you're winning, so you'll lose every tie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't. I didn't want to say that. But no, but uh, so it's just one of those things. I mean, if you look at his, if you look at his my league numbers, a little pop, uh, good batting average, um, just just upside. I really just need upside at the at the catcher position. Jan Gomes is good, like he's usable, but I needed something. Like I'm, I'm really just playing that catcher roulette, just trying to land on. Like I land on Jan Gomes for a good stretch. Now he's been useless. It's time to move forward, type of thing. Gotcha. No, I like him. I, he's good. He's uh, got some definite appeal there. All right, for me, OC, one of my first OCs, added Jesus Sanchez, dropped Nick Prado 4-3. to three. Added Clark Schmidt, dropped Nick Lodolo 4-1. to one. Added Will Brennan, dropped Miguel Vargas 1-0. to nothing. Added Eddie Rosario, dropped Mini Moniak 1-0. to nothing. So I spent 10 bucks this week on four players. Pretty pumped on that one. And four guys I could probably use. Uh, next OC, added uh, Nolan Jones, dropped Spencer Torkelson 12-4. to four. Mark Connor. Drop Tristan Casas. I actually like. I knew I probably overspent on um, Kana, but seven to zero kind of surprised me a bit. I got Ezekiel Tovar for his week in course. Plus, he's been hitting really well lately. Drop Mikel Garcia six to three. Added Adrian Hauser. Drop Yarnar Cano. Tied that one one to one. So Hauser's get he pitched well on Sunday against Oakland this week. I'll take my chances there. And then in my third OC, added AC Sanchez. Dropped Nick Prado. That's the same one. Never mind. I already talked about that one. Go to the other OC. Uh, added Nolan Jones, dropped Alex Kirloff 12 to 3. Added Tommy Henry, dropped Alex Wood 3 to nothing. I need pitching badly, so we have three streamers here. Added Mike Myers, dropped Luis Medina 3 to nothing. Added Hayden Wesneski, dropped Peter Fairbanks 3 to 3. So there we go on that one. Yes, I dropped Fairbanks because I talked to you and Jorge in the chat. Uh, and the production has been down, but he's hurt again for the second time. This could just be a weird lingering thing with Fairbanks. I have saves in that league. I need uh, I need starting pitching in a bad, bad way. So like, like hitting in that league, I'm like third in the league in hitting. I am by far dead last in pitching. It's it's dreadful the difference in in that league. So it's just I, I'm literally at the point of I don't care as much about ratios. I want K's. I want chances at wins. And we're gonna go to battle right now just to kind of move up the standings the best I can in that format. But um, those were the three OCs I had. All right, real quick because I gotta run soon, so we gotta be quick here, Kerland. Um, listener questions. We have a bunch of them. Um, 
we're going to skip that one. Jury Rigger, he asked about weakening hitting and pitching streamers. You commented him on that already. Um, Renegade Envy, Corbin Carroll, and where would you draft him in a redraft? He's a first-round player, back into the first round. That's where I'm at. I was I can argue mid round, mid first round. Like yeah. think think about where um he could be mid first round. That's fair. Bobichet was getting pushed up to himself. He's yeah. everything you want to trade Turner to be basically. So Pretty if he much. went if he went top five, wouldn't even surprise me. I don't know if he did in the second chance leagues, but I feel like the longer he does does this, the, the more likely we'll see him in that top five, top seven range next year. People are gonna call it crazy. J Rod 2.0, blah blah blah, but it won't surprise anyone. I'll take yeah, him over J Rod. So. I'll take him over J Rod. I would too. Yep. But I think they're in this, I think J Rod's still a uh, top, probably still a first round pick. Oh, he's still a first round player for sure, for sure. But I think he, I think we're starting to see the warts that are, that J Rod does have. Um, Anthony Gialdi asks, ask Curlin how it feels to dominate the high stakes field week after week. If you're on video, you got the answer. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I love, I love Gialdi. Uh, he's awesome. He's a great dude. He likes to uh, razz me. He wants me to take more credit. And I'm like, dude, I would love we to. We all but- want you to. But I, but we need to. I need to get to the finish line first. What am I going to do? Celebrate a, a, a third of the season win? Like, okay, cool. Am I getting paid anything for this for this victory lap? No. Why take one? Sure. We take That's victory fair. laps fair. when we get there. That's fair. Taylor Johnson asks, where does Louis Varlin stack up with some of these pitching prospects, call ups like Wu and Abbott? Would you cut bait for either of them, or has he proven enough already to to hold and let other squads scoop up the call ups? Well, Varlin, we've already seen be great, so I'm kind of there, but Abbott maybe. But what's I? I think I stick with Varland. You know me. First off, his name is Varlander. We 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 dis- <laughs> But yes, uh, no, I'm gonna go with Varland. But it goes back to you would love if Abbott does or any of them do what Varland has done to this point. My, I mean, Maeda is working his way back. Does he really push Varland out of that rotation? I'd be very surprised. It, it's he shouldn't. Is it possible? Yes. So maybe if you're concerned about that. Um, either way, though, I would. I still right now, if I had to choose, I'm taking Varland, Abbott, Wu in that order, probably. Yeah, I think around the same page. There. Exactly. That's 100% where I'd be going on that one. Uh, Dave Petrosiello asks. This is a good one because Cutter Crawford's name came up on Bub and the Bloom this last week. Says the same day Chris Sale got hurt and went on the IL. So Dave Petrosiello asks, "What do you guys think of my Cutter Crawford dart throw in mains? I'm seeing a lot of smart people." hyping him up this morning, so I'm hopeful metrics look good. A, I was big on Cutter Crawford last year. I liked what we saw, but then he kind of got exposed at a point. He's gone to the bullpen in longer relief, been very, very effective. He made a three-inning start in his last time, I think, as they stretch him out some more. One run, three Ks against Tampa. But as a whole, you know, he's getting about a K per inning with the 20% K to walk. Ratios look good. I think he's just fine. It's just a matter of last year. It was a lot of like second, third time through the order things that got to him. Has he made those adjustments? So what's your thought? I, I think it's a spec. It's great, especially in mains where pitching's hard to find. So what's your it, thoughts, growing? It's funny because as a starter, he has like a twenty-four point five percent K minus walk rate, and as a as a reliever, it's seventeen point three percent. He's uh, been better as a starter than a reliever. The the xFIP is at three point two six compared to a four point three. And the 3.26 is as a starter for Crawford. So it's one of those things where he's been better almost across the board other than limiting home runs as a starter. So, and, but that makes sense. Less opportunity to give him up or more opportunity to give him up. But he's a guy that I just, I got burned by him to start the year and it really pissed me off because I was, I was in on him early. So, uh, but yeah, I, I like him. I think it's a great spec. And he was a guy that I actually looked to try to make room for. And I just couldn't find a spot on my roster this week, but he's a guy that I would have definitely been specking on if I had the space for him. 100%. Uh, Bill Hammock has a question. Favorite big names to buy low on that you're most sure will turn it around? Very few actually say why in person. 
uh, why a person is a good buy low outside their previous year's performance. Uh, we write it up all the time at uh, Gaining the Edge. But um, anybody here you're interested in, Curlin? Um, uh, other than voicing my, I mean, the obvious one has to be Trey Turner, but then it's not fair because why can't I look at past track record to say him? Because yeah. Babip is a career low 294. He's always been a 342 or above guy. He's a career 341 guy, but last four years have been 342. So Babip's low. The strikeouts are up a little bit, but we know he's pressing a little bit. The the ground ball rate is well. The ground ball rate's actually really good. He's actually hitting a ton of fly balls and a lot more infield fly balls. So I'm wondering, is he just pressing, trying to get, he's get under the ball a little bit? There's legitimate reasons to buy in. You believe in who he's been. He's only 29. He didn't just fall off a cliff. I have a hard time believing that he's suddenly chasing the ball 40% of the time. Again, some red flags last year when he was chasing more than ever. But this year, we're talking a huge spike in swing strike rate, a huge spike in chase rate, and a huge spike downward in contacts. I have a hard time buying into that being who he is all of a sudden. First year, mega deal. Maybe you avoid him altogether. But Trey Turner is just the obvious name. But I'm terrible. I also don't do trade columns anymore. I don't play in trade leagues. So I am incredibly biased in terms of uh, not really – like <laughs> I'm incredibly biased. Like I don't really do buy low, sell high, uh, whatever you know, I'm talking about. I'm, I'm not great at that because uh, I don't play in those leagues anymore. Yeah, Taylor Taylor Ward was the one guy we talked about like a week ago. Like, hey, buy low on that guy. That's a trying, an angle to, to go off of. I would say we talk about so many names on here. I'm trying to think. I think because we we don't look at it like that. We look at it like we try to figure out what they're doing and why they're doing it, and we go that route without thinking. Well, I guess if if we, if we break down a player a certain way and say, hey, I don't understand what's wrong here, that would be my way of saying buy low. I guess if that makes any sense. If I'm like, hey, I'm looking at this, I don't get what's happening. So he should be producing. That's pretty much that would be my way of saying buy low on a player. And we talk about so many players. So if you listen to the show, if you hear me say that, that's me saying, "Hey, buy low." Honestly, that's the best way for me to put it. I can't think yeah, of another buy. I can't think of another buy low right now. I would say just like go to um, like Savant and look at guys that have you know the expected stats. I I don't. I'm not a huge believer in all expected stats. We talked about that many times, but just look at guys that are like severely underperforming, and and then you will have to look at past history. I hate to break it to you, but uh, that that's how it goes. But guys like Kyle Schwarber. I'd be willing to take a shot on. Um, I know there's been some good discussions in our GT Discord about Michael Harris actually starting to get healthier. I'm not fully on board there, but I get the conversation topic. Um, Mitch Haneker, when he's been healthy, this year has been awesome. Just can't stay healthy, so that's been a massive uh, downplay. But like Bobby Wood Jr. could be a dude. I know he's he's actually not failing you, failing you, but our people are frustrated with him. So I will I will like point that direction. But I'd say go check out the X stats guys and see guys that are massively underperforming their X stats. Be something to or- look at as well. I was going to say, or you can look the other way and go to the year-to-year leaderboards and just kind of toy with those and see if any names pop out, and then that will give you, okay, oh, this guy, this guy did what? Let's go look into him. Oh, so he's on this leaderboard, even though he's been terrible, but maybe, but there's something under the hood that's like, oh, this looks really good. Maybe I should go get him because maybe like maybe J.D. Martinez before he took off type of thing, just stuff like that. Just um, But J.D., I don't even know if he was looking at good under the hood. If it was more so just betting on who he was and the flashes. That he, so it was like one of those things where people, I mean, I'm not like I'm not looking to buy low on Jorge Mateo for reference. I think that yep. I don't think yeah, he's as bad as we saw. Soon. I was say I don't think he's as bad as we saw. But I don't think he's as good as he was in May or in April either. So, but I don't know, man. I'm terrible. Like I said, I wish I was better at this whole buy low so high thing. I can harp on it all I want, but um, I can't think of a buy. I really just I really can't think of a buy low name. It's all good. Uh, okay, Anthony Gialdi asks, when you win the main event, what's the first thing you'll do with your money? Um, buy my wife something really nice because she deserves it with as much as she puts up with me, and she doesn't even know I'm in the main event yet. So, waiting for that, hoping to surprise her. 
with a, I'm hoping to surprise her with like, so I did this and this is how it turned out to be. Not necessarily the overall, but the old story I love. Don't ask for permission, beg for forgiveness. It's so much. Well, more I, I use to, to be fair. I use my money I make from content. I, I don't go into our into our money for for the main event anyway. All right, Zach Waxman asks, why is the NFPC main event easier for you than Yahoo leagues we used to play in? God, I hate everyone. Uh, yeah, Zach, uh, Zach and I, that's where we met. We met playing on, like, we met on Roto World forums playing Yahoo leagues uh, with just a bunch of other randoms. And then Zach got into NFBC, introduced me to NFBC, and that, now that's the rest of the history. But yeah, I wish it was that easy. If it was that easy, I would have been cashing a long time ago when I first started NFBC formats. Yep. Uh, the Guilds ask, is Chaz McCormick a good fill in for Aaron Judge? I'll hang up and listen. That's he he knows the answer. Yeah, so he sorry. so he, he he made that comment because his team that's second in the overall, which by the way, shout out to Guilds, he has what two teams in the top five? Yeah, it's what he does every year. He's a beast. And he's an absolute beast. Year after year after year. He's like top five in the OC for like three or four straight years, wins the overall OC um last year. Dude's awesome. And he has it in mains too. Yeah, so he's uh so he has judge on the team that's in second overall. And McCormick, I think it's one of those things where McCormick has shown flashes and bunches. And what stopped him from actually continuing that hot stretch at the beginning of the year was the injury. So McCormick was like, he was hitting for power, running, leading off. And then when he stopped, he stopped leading off because he got injured, never regained it. And he's just now, I think he's just now getting back into healthy and finding his swing and getting in the form again. So I think McCormick's, he could be beyond just the once a week stream type of guy, but you're catching him in the middle of the hot streak right now. And I think just ride it out and see if you can hold it up. Yep. And last question I got for you here is Ben Tid asks, is Mike going to make a formal statement regarding the cheating allegations that just surfaced? I missed those. Uh, no comment. No, uh, it's been so, so because of, because of the three bids I've had this year, the fab bids, I've had three of them uh, within a dollar or two of like, and they, you know, the big, like Logan Allen, uh, Barland, and now Lewis, where I've made three, like almost perfect bids on three big names, which is not very common, I guess, to happen. And I didn't know that that wasn't so common. Uh, but I'm grateful that it worked out that way in my favor. But anyway, um, that's why we, I had a whole outline of the process I, w- I wanted to discuss. Yeah, we'll get to that next week. Next time. Yeah, obviously sorry. next week. It's I'm Well, sorry. now we're an hour and a half in, so yeah, we're yeah. not going to do it now. But one of those things where, yeah, so I had somebody DM me that said like, oh, you're cheating. But they're like, I'm just kidding. Obviously, it's great. Good luck, blah, blah, blah. So I was cool with them. I had Zach give me a hard time about cheating, jokingly, obviously. And someone else, I was like, man, these people must really believe. I'm like, people must really believe this. But no, they obviously don't. It's a, it was a- uh, Todd Whitestone asked, how is Mike handling being so highly placed in the NFC main event standings? And that's being viewed as a baseball savant. <sighs> I, I, why did it take this for me to get the respect? Huh? Why did it take me being good for a third of a seat? You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to be like that player. Like, let me have one good, one good half. And then people are just going to assume I'm good for like the next three years. And it, it could have been just like hey, Cody Bellinger. If I could spike that one year where Cody Bellinger was like amazing for the first half, carried over just enough to win the MVP in the second half. I'm good with that. Like, let me have my one year and I, and then it's fine. No, it's just, it's, it's just not, it's nice to kind of have your peers starting to, you know, take a, uh, notice you it's it's nice to get that notice of like okay because i'm i was the guy who made that comment about i'm a better analyst than player and i think it's nice that i'm actually able to be like yeah you know what i'm not just a good analyst i'm actually i'm a good analyst and player and I, it's hard to have that balance like, when we think about that there's select few names you know we, we think about like in terms of being a really, and i'm still not gonna even if i win and cash really well if i do really well this year one good year isn't enough to say i'm one of the good players consistently but i won't be looked at as like as like oh i'm just an analyst like i'll be able to have that hey he's a decent player too type of thing. I kind of like the idea of ha- mixing the two together. And here is the last question. Jay Mitz asks, 
How much would you sell your main event team for right now? So somebody asked me, like, like I'm joking. I'll give you. I think it was actually Gills that said six grand. He's like, I'm joking, sixty five. I think it legitimately would take probably like ten to fifteen k easily because I really do. Well, first of all, I just I believe in my process at this point. I do think I found something that works for me in my league specifically. I do trust myself to keep making mostly right decisions. Obviously, I haven't made all the right decisions, but I mean, the goal is to be right more than you're wrong, and I've done that to this point. I like where I'm at in the standings. I like where my team's at and my team's even dealing with injuries. So when they get back, so yeah, I think it would take a legitimate, like 10 K plus offer for me to even consider. And even then, if that's even allowed, I doubt it, but it would be uh, pretty cool. I would let some, I would let somebody come in and manage my team for 10 K for sure. Easily. Nice. But I'm also, that, that's kind of like the, we're a third of the way here. Now, if you ask me in a month, if you ask me in three weeks from now, I'm still there in the top 10. Oh, now it's gonna be closer to 15, 20 K. <laughs> so you might want to get in where it's uh, where the cheap asking price is at, you know, and we got cocky Mike curling by the end. I love it. Oh, um, dude, I swear, I, you won't hear. I will. I will victory lap this for five years. If I spike overall on a single bullet injury. I hope so. I hope so. But we're going to wrap it up there. Everybody. Uh, another fun filled episode in the books. Uh, fab recap player discussion, some strategy. We'll go deeper into strategy next week and much, much more. But make sure you follow Curland on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. I'm at BD Entrick. This was Bubba, Bubba, Benched with Bubba, episode 592. Catch you guys next time. to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps easy gameplay quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app ready to test your skills join the prize picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up right now prize picks will match your first deposit up to 100 just visit prizepicks.com get 100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.